Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church. For the services on November the 25th of 2007, Reverend Mary Rye will be preaching for us this morning. The testimony is given by Mary Dunham, who also did the children's time. The scripture this morning is Luke 9, verses 28 through 36. We now unite with the service in progress. As you can already see, I am not Tim Hobbs. Um, He and his family are still celebrating their Thanksgiving away, Um, but we are equally glad that you are here. Um, My name is Mary Rye, in case you didn't know that already. Um, I'm a member here, and I'm also a chaplain at Methodist Hospital. Nibby likes for me to say that. Um, We are glad that you are here, and we welcome you to Community Baptist Church, and is as is our um, style and our habit, we want to greet each other in the name of Jesus. So if you all would um, meal around and greet each other, if there are folks here that you don't know, please introduce yourself and uh, welcome each other in the name of Jesus. As you will see in your worship folder this morning, um, the activities carry on. And let me emphasize a couple of things that uh, are in your uh, worship announcements and a couple of things that are not. Um, As you may or may not already know, tomorrow night is our Upwards Basketball and Cheerleading Awards night. It is at 6 o'clock at the high school. We have outgrown this this room, and uh, so we have moved our awards night for Upward Basketball and Cheerleading to the high school. You are welcome um, to join us there. If you need a ride, uh, the church van will be running. We just need to know that. If you will call the church office or contact Christine Cornelius, um, and we will see that you get picked up. Also, for some folks, for some of us, sitting on those bleachers is just not a doable thing. Um, We will be taking a few of these chairs for those who cannot do the bleachers or who cannot climb the bleachers. If that is your case, again, if you would let Christine Cornelius know, Christine, right there, if you will let her know, um, we will make sure that you get one of the chairs here so that you don't have to miss this because of the bleachers. Um, also, the, there is a children's Christmas party on Friday night, December the 14th at 6 o'clock at the Dunham's. Um, details are forthcoming next Sunday. But go ahead and put that on your calendar, December the 14th at 6 o'clock for the children's Christmas party. Also, if you would like for, if you and your children would like to be included 
for Passport Kids for 2008. Um, it is for kids in the third through the sixth grade. It is July 17 through 20 in Crossville, Tennessee. The, the sign-up deadline is next Sunday. Can you believe it? Sign-up deadline in December for next July. Uh, but we need you all to do that. Larry has some brochures and some sign-ups um, if you need yet to do that. Also, please see in your worship folder next Saturday evening at 6 o'clock, we'll, we will be hosting World's AIDS Day service here in conjunction with Matthew 25. Um, that is a really special worship service. Um, so if you can make that at all, next Saturday evening at 6 o'clock here. Now, I know this is a song by Paul Bellucci and Matt Redmond. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable singing the verse, just come in on the chorus. It's pretty easy. Let's stand, please. could imagine a melody True enough to tell of your mercy Who could imagine a harmony Sweet enough to tell of your love I see the heavens proclaiming you day after day Then I know in my heart there must be a way to sing a greater song, a greater song to you on the earth, to sing a greater song, a greater song to you on the earth. Imagine a symphony Grand enough to tell of your glory Our highest praise but a feeble breath A whisper of your thunderous word I see the heavens proclaiming you day after day And I know in my heart there must be a way to sing a greater song, a greater song to you on the earth, to sing a greater song, a greater song to you on the earth, to sing a greater song. Hi. 
I see the heavens proclaiming you day after day. And I know in my heart there must be a way. It is our desire to lift you, to glorify you, to praise you. Thank you for being our God, for welcoming us into your house, for beckoning us to come. God bless us this day. Hold us close. Hold us together. Remind us of your love and your grace. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
boys and girls. We have less of you today. We have a lot of folks still traveling and away, but we want you to have come down here right now for your special time this morning. If you can come over here, uh, sit in this area. If you need somebody to come help you and sit with you, a big person or somebody, that was great. Whew, kind of hard to see down here. How are you? Good. You're... That's okay. I like it when you're up here. It makes me feel comfortable because no one wants to get up here and do this. Happy Thanksgiving. And by the way, I am accepting reservations to do December's Children's Moment so you all can catch me after the service. It's past Thanksgiving. Sorry. Okay. You know what? We're going to have some fun today. And and some of you might have to help these guys because they might not know some of these. When you work and and, um, sometimes when you're at home on the computer, you get all these emails. And some of them are funny. I got one that I saved. So you guys, this is going to be like a guessing game. Because you know God is like a lot of different things, right? So parents and grandparents and guests, you might have to help. All right, let's see. God is like Coke. No. Why? Because he's a drink. Oh, Greg, you go, buddy. God is like Coke. He's the real thing. I like that one. God is like Hallmark cards. Yeah. He cares enough to send his very best. I heard it. God is like Tide. He gets the stains out that others leave behind. I like that one too. All right. You ready for another one? God is like Sears. Because he has everything. I like that one too. You guys, oh, this is too Oh, it's supposed to be a children's moment. I'm so sorry. You guys might not get this one, but somebody will. God is like Alka-Seltzer. Yes. Yes. Does Dad take Alka-Seltzer for that? Yeah. Okay. God is like Alka-Seltzer. Try him. You'll like him. All right. God is like... You guys can get this one. Look at this. What is this? God is like scotch tape. You can't see him, but you know he's there. I like that one, too. All right. One more. Oh, two more. God is like dial soap. <laughs> Cleans up your messes. Aren't you glad you have him? Don't you wish everybody did? I like that one too. Okay, last one. I think here. Jerry, what's this? This is bounty towels. Do you know what this one is? Kurt, do you know this one? <gasps> That's true, too, but this one says he's the quicker picker-upper. He can handle the tough tough jobs, and he won't fall apart on you. All right, and that's what God is like this morning. Thank you all very, very much. You all can go back to your seats.
You guys can go back. Yeah, really. No. I get children's church today, too. I hope you all come back to children's church. I think I'm supposed to stay up here. Is that right, Miss Christine? Okay. Oh, this is comfortable. Now, let me get my other notepad here. And I apologize because I was writing. Christine asked me to do a testimonial about Upward. Well, Kelsey and Jake have been involved for four or five years now, I think. Excuse me, how many? Three years? This seems like it's longer than that. But anyway, this year I had the opportunity to coach. And when John asked me to coach, John Cornelius, Trust me, the first thing that went through my mind selfishly was like, I cannot do one more thing. I work full time. We have choir. We have Cub Scouts. But then I thought, okay, now John and Christine are here every night. John's coaching three teams. Okay, I'll coach. Not that I know anything about basketball. However, the first night when I met my players, I noticed two older brothers sitting on the bench. Very, very quiet older brothers. So, yes, I recruited them, and what a godsend they turned out to be. I wrote down some examples here. Throughout the season, I witnessed one player, and after the practice, he was so embarrassed because no one was here to pick him up. He left and started walking. One of the other mothers stopped him on Highway 60 and brought him back to us so we could wait with him. So that was um, something I witnessed that... You just don't think those things happen. But sometimes kids get dropped off here. I witnessed one player that came into practice, and he was absolutely so angry he could not do anything. He was angry at every other player on his team. He was angry at all of us coaches. But one of those brothers that I had selected to help coach, he took him to the side, and he worked with him the rest of practice. And at the end, I watched them hug each other, and the anger was all gone. And I got to witness that firsthand. I also witnessed eight children that had never played with each other at all. And by the end of the season, they were high-fiving, they were a team, and that felt really good to watch them. Now, I know some of you refs are going, I know we had some anger problems on our team, but that's okay. But I also did witness the wonderful refs that we had, how they stopped the games, and they got down in these children's faces, and they gave them encouragement to do better. I got to witness that firsthand as a coach. I also got to witness the smiles in the concession stand, the folks giving up their Saturday mornings to come and work concessions, and it just made you feel good when you went up there to get a soft drink or popcorn or whatever. I got to witness the greeters at the door. No matter what kind of mood you were in when you left your house, when you come to these doors and noticed all the people out there having a good time and putting their arms around your shoulders and saying, we're glad you're here, that was a great thing to witness. The last thing I'd like to share with you, if, if, if any of you have never coached, and I know there's so many people that takes to get this program off the ground and keep it running, if we'd only had one more time or a couple more weeks to finish the upward season, 
I would have worked with a player to let them know that it's not always about making the basket, and that's not anything to be angry and sad about. It's about being here together as a team and spending the time with each other. That's what's important, not making the baskets. But I will share with you that it was a wonderful experience to be a coach, and yes, I'd like to sign up again to coach next year. Maybe I'll I'll learn more about the game next year. But to every single coach and referee and greeter and concession worker, and only people in Upward knows what this means, I'd like to give each and every one of you a white star because you're all Christ-like. And thank you very much for a great Upward season.
Let us pray, please. Our most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we pause at this moment and give you thanks. We thank you for letting us come in this house today, Father, and worship you. And we feel your presence here today, Father. We thank you for this service that we've been in, and we continue to ask us and bless this service, Father, and bless these tithes and offerings. Forgive us where we fail thee, and thank you for everything you've done for us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.
Our scripture reading today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up onto the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus had been with his disciples, the boys, for a while now. At least long enough, according to Luke, to have seen Jesus heal the sick and the paralyzed, to, to have tested the validity of the Jewish laws, to go off by himself to pray, to teach the crowds a new way of living and tell stories to help them understand that new way. They watched him raise the dead and forgive sinners. I mean, the really bad sinners restoring their faith. And when he gave the boys the power to do the same thing, and they actually did, they were so excited about it, they needed to talk to Jesus, but the crowds wouldn't leave them alone long enough. So Jesus taught them to feed the crowds. Then Peter answers the questions of, who do you say that I am correctly? You are the Christ the son of the living God. And now Jesus again decided to go off to pray. But this time was different. He took Peter and James and John with him. We remember the time Jesus did that and they kept falling asleep and Jesus got pretty frustrated with them. He needed them to hang in there with him for just a little while, but they were tired and couldn't stay awake. This time, the scriptures tell us, started out about the same way. They were weighed down with sleep. Yep, they were tired. We don't know the chronological order of things, but the start of this passage said that it had been about eight days since Jesus' last teaching. What had they been doing those eight days? Had they been healing the sick? Feeding more hungry crowds? Teaching? We don't know. But whatever it was, Peter and James and John were tired. 
so they probably hadn't been on vacation. I wonder what they were expecting when Jesus said, Guys, you, Peter, bring James and John and come with me. I wonder if they thought, Oh, man, Jesus, I'm tired. We've been running for days. I just need some sleep. Can't we just have some dinner and make it an early night? And yet, they went, even though they were weighed down with sleep. But, says the scriptures, but since they had stayed awake, they saw. And man, did they ever. They saw Jesus in dazzling white with this remarkable change to his face. They saw Moses and Elijah. They heard all three of them talking. Wow, how cool would that be to see Jesus with Moses, the most famous of the Jewish lawmakers, and Elijah, the most celebrated Jewish prophets, all together in one place. God is just full of surprises. When we least expect it, God surprises us with life's greatest gifts. Tony Campolo is a professor emeritus at, emeritus at Eastern University and founder of the Evangelical Association for the Promotion of Education. That's a big title. He has written 33 books and is a world-renowned preacher. I have heard him a few times, the latest being this summer at the CBF conference. And I can say unequivocally, he is my favorite preacher and storyteller. Tony Campolo tells the story of being in Hawaii several years ago. It was three o'clock in the morning and he could not sleep. There was about a six hour time difference between Campolo's home state of Pennsylvania and Hawaii, where he was attending a conference. He got restless and left the hotel in search of a place to eat. Eventually, he found a tiny little coffee shop. He walked in and sat down, and he tells the events of the story like this. A fat guy behind the counter came over and asked me, What do you want? I told him I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. As I sat there munching on my donut and sipping on my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door suddenly opened, and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and rather boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place, and they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and chatty and a little rude. I felt completely out of place. I was just about to make my getaway when I heard the woman sitting next to me say, You know, tomorrow is my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend responded in a rather nasty tone. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? What do you want? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday to you? Come on, said the woman next to me. Why do you have to be so mean? I'm just telling you that's all. I'm just telling you that it's my birthday. 
I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should I have a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. Why should I have one now? When Campolo heard that, he said he made a decision. I sat and waited until the women left, and then I called over the counter to the fat guy and asked him, They come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come in every night? Yeah, that's Agnes. She comes in here every night. What do you want to know? Because she said that tomorrow is her birthday. What do you say we do something special for her? What do you think about throwing a birthday party for her right here in the diner? A cute kind of smile came over the fat man's chubby cheeks. That's a great idea. I like it. Agnes is one of those kind of people who are really nice and kind. And I don't think anybody's ever done anything nice or kind for her. Well, look, Campolo told him, if it's okay with you, I'll be back here tomorrow morning at 2.30. I'll decorate the place. I'll even get a birthday cake for her. No way, he said. The birthday cake, that's my thing. I'll bake the cake. 2.30 the next morning, Campolo was back at the diner. He writes, I picked up some crepe paper and other decorations at the store, and I made a sign of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated that diner from one end to the other. I had it looking great. The word must have gotten out on the street because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in that place. There was wall-to-wall prostitutes and Campolo. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend. Everybody was ready. When they came in, we all jumped up and screamed, Happy birthday, Agnes! And we sang. I've never seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned. Her mouth fell open. Her knees started to buckle. Her friend had to offer her arm to steady her. When the birthday cake came out with all the candles, that's when Agnes just lost it. She started sobbing. Harry The fat guy behind the counter gruffly mumbled, Blow out the candles, Agnes. Let's cut the cake. Agnes looked down at the cake, and without taking her eyes off of it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if I... I mean, I don't... Well, what I really want to ask is, Is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? Is it all right if we just don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and answered, Sure, Agnes, that's fine. You want to keep the cake? Keep the cake. Take it home if you want. Oh, could I? She said, looking up at Campolo. She said, I just lived down the street a couple of doors. I want to take it home, the cake home. Is that okay? I'll be right back, honest. She got off her stool, picked up that cake, and carried it out the diner like it was the Holy Grail. When the door closed behind her, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, Campolo broke the silence by saying, Well, what do you say we pray together? 
Looking back on it now, Campolo remarks, it seems more than a little strange that a sociologist from eastern Pennsylvania would be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But I prayed. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. I prayed... And when I finished, Harry leaned over, and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of preacher are you anyway? What church do you belong to? In one of those moments, just when the right words came, Campolo answered him quietly, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. At 3.30 in the morning. Harry thought a moment and then almost sneered his answer. No, you don't. There's no such church like that. In fact, if there was, I'd join it. God is full of surprises. Surprises for Peter and James and John. Surprises for the Agneses and the Harrys of the world. Surprises for Tony Campolo and for you and for me, if we'll only stay awake long enough to see them. God will surprise you when you least expect it. When life seems like it's dealt you a really bad hand and you're trying your best just to get through the day, God will surprise you. Or when life is going well and you are just cruising along, God will surprise you, maybe by giving you the idea of throwing a birthday party for a prostitute at 3.30 in the morning, or coaching a basketball team, or a cheer squad for a season, or maybe God will just come up with some other kind of outrageous idea. God is full of surprises. Back again to Luke chapter 9. Peter, James, and John have just had a huge surprise and stood among God's, amid God's amazing grace. And then a cloud surrounds them and they hear the voice of God. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Not only is God a God of surprises, but God is a God of blessing as God is a God of blessing. This is my son, my chosen. And looking at this passage, I wondered if Jesus needed God's blessing as much as the other three disciples did. Was this done for James and John and Peter's benefit? Or knowing what was ahead for Jesus, was this what Jesus The human Jesus needed. We all stand in need of being blessed. Frederick Buechner says, in the biblical sense, if you give me your blessing, you irreversibly convey into my life not just something of the beneficent power and vitality of who you are, 
but something also of the life-giving power of God in whose name the blessing is given. God was blessing who Jesus is. This is my son, my chosen. God didn't bless Jesus for who he was or who he would become later. God is blessing Jesus for who he is right then, in that time and in that place. Surely Jesus knew he was God's chosen, God's beloved. Don't we? Don't we know that we are God's chosen? The scriptures tell us, for we did not choose God, but that God chose us. Don't we know that by the very act of the cross, we are God's beloved? In the good times, we know. In the times of abundance and joy, we know. But in the times of suffering and disappointment and frustration, we need reminding. The disciples went into that prayer spot tired and sleepy. I suspect Jesus was, too. I wonder if Jesus just needed to hear those words, needed to be reminded that he, too, was the beloved son, the chosen. What would it feel like if you got that kind of blessing from God? You are my daughter. My chosen. You are my son. My chosen. What surprises does God have in store for you? What blessings will you hear from an unexpected source? Or what blessings will you offer someone else on God's behalf? Tomorrow night, as you know, we are closing this year's season of upward basketball and cheerleading. We as a congregation have been very busy since school started in August. That's four months of one event-packed ministry. One-third of the year is devoted to the upward ministry. That's 30 evenings of practices Seven very full Saturdays of games and countless hours of meetings and emails and preparations. I'll confess that there were times when I thought that I could not drag myself back here one more time. And I missed two plus weeks of practices and games because of my surgery. But it was just those nights when I arrived and these sweet baby children would ask me, how you feeling? Or they would tell me, I prayed for you every day this week. Or when I would run into one of the kids and their parents at the hospital or at Walmart, and they would meet me with ear-to-ear smiles and a hearty, hi! That made it all worthwhile. When we stay awake and watch, when we say yes to God, As we have heard from Mary Dunham, it is then that God surprises us. Each of us could tell you stories like mine or Mary Dunham's. We have all been surprised, and we have certainly all been blessed, and we are better people because of it. Robert Frost put it this way. 
Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as far and having perhaps a, the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I ever should come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. When we least expect it, God surprises us with the most incredible gifts, amazes us with life-giving grace, and blesses us as only God can when we least expect it. And I, I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Amen. We are a congregation of blessed and blessers. We are involved with one another, and we love it when God surprises us. If you would like to join us in our journey, we welcome you to become a part of Community Baptist Church. If you would like to join God in God's journey, we welcome you into God's family as you accept Jesus as your Savior. Either way, we give you this opportunity to, to tell us about that, to become members of our congregation as we sing, as we stand and we sing page 320.
As you go from this place, may God surprise you, catch you by the coattail as you take the road less traveled by, for that will make all the difference. Amen.